And praise the Lord, everyone. It is my honor to be here this evening, and I'm looking forward expectantly to the fellowship that we're going to have in these services with the Holy Ghost. Who wouldn't want to look forward to that? Because there's nothing like the touch of God. What privileged people we are to be able to enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. And then we are to bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that's within me, bless His holy name. Aren't you glad you know His name? Put your hand together and let's magnify Him here together like the Bible says. Praise the Lord. Amen, amen. Praise God. It is always an honor to stand in this position, especially right here in Ocala, for one of the uh, good, good friends that has uh, entered into my life by, I believe, the will of God, your pastor and his family, and we just love them very much and esteem them very highly, especially for the work of this gospel. Praise the Lord. But um, your pastor, as many of you, of course, should know, and that is that uh, he is a renowned New Testament gospel preacher in Pentecost. Not just uh, what you are able to experience here, but he is in high demand for a lot of places. And I'd like to say this to the church while I'm saying it, and that is don't get stingy with your preacher. Praise the Lord. And I know sometimes that uh, the vacancy in that chair uh, is obvious, but you must remember this, that to whom much is given, much is required. And uh, you've been given a whole lot in the way of the ministry. And so uh, uh, I have been blessed so many times by Brother Bass's ministry. He's a very fluent Bible preacher. And when I say fluent, I'm talking about that when he's done, you know what he said. Well, praise the Lord. And uh, that's a good thing. Instead of individuals that preach and you have no idea what was just told you. Praise the Lord. Our philosophy is kind of like that preacher that said, now teaching young men how to preach. He said, this is the way you do it. You get up and you tell them what you're going to tell them. And then you tell them, and then you tell them what you told them, and then you sit down. That's the way it ought to be. That They just get told. Well, praise the Lord. So we're looking forward to these services, and uh, Lord bless this wonderful assembly here in Ocala. Again, you are a blessed people. And we're going to go to the Word of the Lord here tonight. If you'll take your Bible, I, I trust this is a regular Bible study night, yes, it is. and I will not deviate from that uh, forum here probably tonight. I feel more teacher fried, not fried, but fried. <laughs> <laughs> Hope that wasn't prophetic, but um, <laughs> feel more teacher fried than I do preacher fried right at the moment as far as just rearing back, but who knows? I may end up laying on my back and spitting at the ceiling before it's over with. 
just time tells about that, doesn't it? But if you'll go to the book of Judges here tonight, and the 15th chapter, Judges chapter 15. Very familiar scripture, I think, to most everyone here of this story that I'm going to extract by reading it to you tonight in Judges 15 and verse 14. And when he came to Lai, the Philistines shouted against him, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. And the cords that were upon his arms became as flax that was burnt with fire, and his bands loosed from off his hands. And he found a new jawbone of an ass, and put forth his hand and took it, and slew a thousand men therewith. And Samson said, With the jawbone of an ass, heaps upon heaps, with the jawbone of an ass, have I slain a thousand men. Now, after saying what he just said, verse 17 just doesn't make sense. And it came to pass, when he made an end of speaking, that he cast away the jawbone out of his hand, and he called at that place Ramoth Leah. And he was sore athirst and called on the Lord. Many times in verses we do not uh, realize that there could be very much a time factor involved. And in such a case that is what is happening here, whatever sequence of time has passed, there has been a passage of time. And he was sore athirst and called on the Lord. And said, Thou hast given this great deliverance into the hand of thy servant, and now shall I die for thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised. But God clave a hollow place that was in the jaw, and there came water thereout. And when he had drunk, his spirit came again, and he revived. Wherefore he called the name thereof Enhakorah, which is in Leah unto this day. And he judged Israel in the days of the Philistines twenty years. The name of that place that he called it literally means the well for him that cried. The well for him that cried. The instrument, the tool that Samson used was the jawbone of an ass. And then he cast it aside, and then sometime later, he is athirst, and his attention is recalled back to the jawbone. been many, many sermons preached on that instance, many of them very invigorating and very challenging, and so be it. But I'd like tonight to just use this as my subject, and that is the revival of the old tools. The revival of the old tools. Let's ask the Lord to help us here again tonight. Would you let's pray and ask for a hearing ear and a receptive heart tonight. God, we thank you as we draw nigh unto you. 
that you would guide us and direct us and lead us in the way that we should go. For we know that without you we can do nothing, but with you all things are possible. This is your house, your people, your word, God. May it be used together to work out your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for... your attention that you had while we were reading the Word of the Lord. My wife, monthly, I'm glad my wife is able to be with us here in the services, but she gets a monthly magazine, a cooking magazine, and uh, there are a lot of... Matter of fact, she gets several different ones, but uh, there's one in particular that I usually enjoy looking at. And uh, one of the reasons is that in that particular edition of that uh, subscription that she has to that magazine, there is a section in there that has a picture usually. And the title of the little section is, What Is It? And the picture, of course, differs from month to month. And what it is, is some old kitchen tool that is illustrated there. And the question, what is it? I always, when I get to that section, it interests me a lot. And uh, for some strange reason, not because that I'm into cooking, but I am into cooking after it's cooked. But the uh, thing that intrigues me is that I really like to figure out what that instrument is without trying to read the explanation that they have in there. Many of those sometimes I'm able to do so. By looking at them, it uh, becomes apparent for what something about it has a a, uh, dimension or something about it that kind of uh, gives a hint as to what it would have been used for. And uh, also, I was raised on a farm, and we had uh, a lot of those uh, older-type instruments around, uh, some of you that uh, know what a cream separator is that was in the house, then uh, you would instantly recognize that picture of one or at least something that was similar to it, and you would be clued into it. Of course, if you were not familiar with the process, you'd probably be dumbfounded as to what the instrument was. And that is what I would like to bring to you here tonight is that very aspect and that principle is that if you kind of know the process, then you can usually figure out the tool. If you kind of know what it's supposed to do, And you can get a hint by looking at it. I remember looking at, of course, some of this is not just kitchen uh, tools, but sometimes it might be that old one uh, ear of uh, corn uh, sheller that you put through that uh, crank uh, mechanism and shell off 
uh, an ear of corn and they come out with just an empty cob. And I actually used those as a boy, amen, shelling corn to feed the hogs and uh, other things that were done with that, seed corn and whatever else. But I knew uh, by many of those things because I had some type of experience uh, either having seen it or had can figure out by looking at it that this has, you know, by the way it is shaped, that it probably does something like squeezing an orange or it does something like uh, uh, whatever. You can kind of get a clue. But the things that I found very difficult and had to uh, go in and read the explanation of those without ever coming to a conclusion as to what they were, were those instruments that I was not familiar with the process, that I did not know what it was meant to do that I was not understanding why it was ever devised to begin with, and that the process today may not even even exist anymore, that he has been done another way, and thereby eliminating that particular avenue of those mechanisms uh, that they have. And so I look forward to looking into that area of that book every month when it comes and look at that, what is it, uh, and uh, on the way down here, this uh, thing kept coming into my mind, and that was that the thing that is very evident in Pentecost today is that there is not a recognition of the old tools because a whole lot of people don't know what the process was all meant to be. And if you don't know the process, you're never going to understand the tool. If you don't understand what it is that's trying to be accomplished, then the tool will make no sense to you until you can see its part in the process, until you can understand its mechanism in what needs to get done, you will never understand what it's all about. And I'm leaving the kitchen now, even in coming to church, and telling us here tonight that I believe in a whole lot of Pentecost. There's a whole lot of old tools that are no longer recognized in the church of Jesus Christ. There have been a lot of processes that are no longer even in actuality. No longer do they exist because they've tried to go around it in a new and different way. Let me tell you, revival still does not come by flashing lights and smoke machines. But it still comes the old-fashioned way of the tool of preaching and the tool of people praying and the tool of people worshiping God. Praise the Lord. Amen. If you don't know the process, you're not going to recognize the two. And so it was with Samson. That is, again, it is amazing that he makes that, that declaration with a jump on of an ass. I have slain a thousand men. And when he was through speaking, over his shoulder it went. Doesn't, doesn't really make sense, doesn't it? You know, if, if somehow you had something that had brought you the victory, Samson is not saying that I got it myself. He's, he is declaring what tool 
God let him use. He is declaring that in his hand was that jawbone. It looks like to me he'd tucked it in his belt. Looks like to me he'd made a little holster to carry it on his side. If you could slay a thousand Philistines with it today, it'd probably come in handy tomorrow. And if it might come in handy next week. But for God's sake, don't throw it away! But that's what he did. He threw it away. And then whatever amount of time passes there, you got to realize that he has went through a ferocious battle and that he has to be terribly fatigued and terribly give out, sweated down, and all the, the uh, mental fatigue that is on him and all the rest, that now he's thirsty. And God, it said, clave a holler in that jawbone. And Samson goes back and picks it up. And there, of course, he quenches his thirst. It does not say then what he did with the jawbone. But I just kind of got a feeling he didn't chunk it again. I just kind of got a feeling he didn't throw it over his back again. I believe that when Samson died, if you look through his belongings, there was the grinning teeth of a jawbone of an ass. Because that after he learned that this tool has more to it than just the defeat of the enemy, it also has the refreshing for after the battle. Let me tell you something. A lot of folks that come to an apostolic church are in any other part of this, this thing called religion that thinks it just because they repent that that's the end of the road. But I'm telling you, that's not so. That's just the beginning of where you start. You don't quit after you repent. You don't quit. Thank God you repented. But that's not the end of this road. There's a refreshing that comes from the presence of the Lord. And that is the infilling of the Holy Ghost. There are people that are basing their salvation on the fact that I repented. I cried. And no doubt they had their heart in it. But you see, that's not the end of it. You don't throw away the two. Acts 2.38 says repent. This is one package. Repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But there's a lot of them out there that went through their penance and went through their repentance and then threw it over their shoulder and said, be it God's okay now. But I'm telling you, that's not the way that it is done. you got to repent, but you also have to be baptized in Jesus' name for the sin that you repented of and then filled with the Holy Ghost which will always quench your thirst and you'll speak in a language you never learned yes you will shaking somebody's hand you can shake mine and this preacher's hand till you get blue in the face it ain't going to save you I appreciate every real heartfelt uh, directional uh, prayer toward God by anybody. But I'm telling you, you get you need to get the whole package. You need to get everything that in it that God intended for you to have. Praise the Lord. 
Well, we're talking about revival of old tools. I, I maybe have just got too old and too old-fashioned for a whole lot of what goes on in Pentecost today. There's just some things that I don't understand about what they're doing when they're supposed to be trying to have church. I just can't get this praise team business down in my mind. I'm talking about choreographic type uh, dancing and all the other things that are that are down and all the, the little little sequences of so-called worship and going on. The way I was brought in this, everybody from the front to the back to the left to the right worshiped God. It wasn't a team that did it. It was a church that did it. It was everybody put their hands together. It was everybody that praised the Lord. And guess what? It brought revival and will still bring revival. Praise the Lord. Amen. There's more to that jawbone, you hear me, than just the defeat of the enemy. There's a refreshing that comes from it also. The well of him that cried. The well of, of him that called out after the defeat of the enemy. you got to keep calling on the Lord. Praise the Lord. With every victory, you need to realize that you need to keep calling on Him. Rise and call on the name of the Lord was the commandment given to one man about receiving the Holy Ghost. Amen. And he arose and called on the name of the Lord and God baptized him with the Holy Ghost. Praise God. The years have a way sometimes of of uh, bringing forgetfulness a lot of people, I think. It was a day when God brought Israel out of bondage and brought them into a land of houses that they didn't build and wells that they didn't dig and vineyards that they didn't plant. And brought them into that land. But before they went over in to possess it, God said, you take a stone out of this riverbed and carry it out onto the land on the far side, and you stack up twelve stones, one stone for every tribe of Israel. And you stack up a memorial edifice out there on the far side. And then in time to come, when your children shall say, What meaneth these stones? In other words, they're clueless. They don't have any idea. They realize it's been put there for some reason. You can tell that somebody has put this for something. You can tell it's been stacked up on purpose. You can tell that they're standing there for some reason. And he said, when your children get to the place that long after the stories of the original crossing into the promised land, and you find your children asking you, what meaneth these stones? You are to recount to them the story about how God, with an uplifted hand, brought you out of the land of bondage and brought you into this land of 
Amen. And we lived in houses that we didn't build. And we ate out of vineyards that we didn't plant. And we pulled the whale ropes to buckets and wells that we didn't have to dig. That's what these stones mean. They are a remembrance of the old way that God still moves in people's lives. But when a day comes when they no longer understand what meaneth these stones, somebody better get to telling Amen what it's all about. Let me tell you, there's some things that we just should not even find ourselves forgetting about what it means to be in an apostolic one God church. Call us what you want to, but there still needs to be praying. There still needs to be worship. There still needs to be red hot gospel preaching. And there still needs to be a move of God. We need a revival of some of the old tools. I think in some places that if you took your pastor and dropped him down in the middle of some congregation and pulpit, they wouldn't have the first idea about his style of preaching. It would be foreign to them. It would not make that much sense to them. Simply because that they're used to a new process. A process of where that everybody is just patted on the head. Where everybody is just told that we're not putting any guilt trips on anybody. That all we need to do is just be happy, amen, and get ready to meet the Lord. But I want you to see here tonight that in a real apostolic church, there still has to be a cleanness. There still has to be a wholesomeness. There still has to be preaching, amen. It gets into people's lives and hearts and lets them understand that if we're going to see a move of God, there has to be something going on besides just spectacular. We're living the day of the drama, the day of the dramatics, and the day of the, like I said, the smoke machines and flashing lights. And like one time about sending smooth preachers, the Bible said, my people love to have it so. Smooth preaching. I mean, they would make Jiffy look rough. I'm talking about the smooth Jiffy. (laughs) They are so polished. And everything is so without any venture into anything that's going to disturb anybody because the only way to build a big church and to have a lot of people is not preach to them. So they say. But we got news for them. 
Amen. The only way that there's going to be a real apostolic church is that because there's going to be a one God Jesus name apostolic holiness preacher that still mounts the podium and still rears back and preaches without favor and without fear the things that are needed in this day. And I'm telling you what it took 20 years ago. Guess what? It still takes the same thing today. What it took 10 years ago, it still takes the same thing today. Say we're living a new age all you want to, but I'm telling you this book hadn't changed. This one God Jesus name apostolic message is still the same for every generation. His truth endureth unto all generations. Praise the Lord. The essence of not knowing the process means you won't recognize the tool. There's a question in the Bible that says, who can understand the noise of this tabernacle? That was not a statement that was being made uh, to say that nobody understands. It said, who can understand the noise of it? A lot of heathens didn't understand the noise of the encampment of Israel around that tabernacle on that Day of Atonement. When the blood was sprinkled upon the mercy seat and the glory of God filled that place, and they didn't understand the people on their face praising and glorifying their God for Him in their midst. And the heathens from afar did not understand the noise of that tabernacle. But oh God, I'd hate for the day to ever come when I don't understand what praying is. When there's somebody rejoicing in the Holy Ghost in the aisle is something that kind of just gets shamed about. Praise the Lord that when a real Holy Ghost preacher is preaching that you are somehow uh, ashamed that he's not more uh, oratory, that he's not more polished. Uh, oh, God, help us. And we're not putting a premium on ignorance. Uh, I'm just telling you that what it takes to preach the gospel is a call of God. What it takes to preach the gospel is a man willing to do the will of God and to answer that call. Amen. And to preach the this book with all of his heart, mind, soul, body, and strength. Praise the Lord. Because that's how he loves his God. And in this day that we're living, we're getting too many people that are placated on the pews that don't want the old twos. Let's go around another route. Let's say we're having revival because we just got a whole lot of programs going. But that's not how it works. It still takes people weeping at an altar. It still takes people calling on God. God, it still takes sin being preached against. Praise God. What significance in some things have to some people. You know, when I came into this, or rather when God brought me into it many years ago, I wasn't reared up around it in it or knew anything of it. Everything was new to me. I remember like yesterday in the service while people worshiping God doing this. Where I came from in the world, you only did that when you felt a 45 in the middle of your back. But you know what it means to say a thing? 
I give up. I'm yours. That's what that means. But in the church, it means lifting up holy hands without wrath, without doubt, without fear. Amen. It means that I'm yours, Lord, from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. It's not a forced allegiance. Uh, amen. Like the crook with a 45 in your back. Amen. But now it's something that is saying, hey, by my own volition, I'm lifting up holy hands. Uh, my wife says, I praise you with how I live, how I walk, how I talk, how I dress. Praise the Lord, but that was strange. Now it seems so odd to not find yourself doing yeah, this. Right, yeah, that's right. Amen. When the Holy Ghost got a hold of me on my way to my way to an altar, thank God for saints that'll help you pray. Yes, amen. Even that I didn't understand. I was one fellow on this side was saying, "Pray through." Now you tell me what that means <laughs> to somebody who don't know what you're talking about. Pray through what? Pray through your hat. Pray through the floor. Pray through. Be like Brother Mac Mullen there in Canada. He was at service and. Some people came to the altar, and old fella came up there and got down and was praying. Brother McMullen walked down there and, and put his hand on him and said, Brother, believe God. And that guy looked up and said, You think I'd be up here if I didn't believe God? <laughs> Couldn't happen to a better man. <laughs> but all that was so. Unknown to me. I didn't know any of the tools. I didn't know anything about all that business. All I knew was something on the inside of me was 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 being ripped apart. I was under conviction. I needed God and I knew I needed God. Amen. But you know what? In a little while, Amen, that one that was saying pray through and the other one saying turn turn loose, and the other one saying, Hang on, brother. Praise the Lord. And all the rest of those things that was going on. Amen. I completely slipped out of all that because I got a hold of the tool. And when I did and started crying out to the Lord, even when I began to call with all my heart, Amen. That one that was coming down that made a well in the hollow that jawbone, amen, made a well for him that cried. I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost opened up and flooded my soul. And in a little while, I found myself speaking in a language I had never learned. And you know what? It still works the same way today. There's just no other processes around repentance. There's just no way you can get around repentance. Except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. That's what the Bible says. Say, well, I, I did this and I did that and I'm a good person. And, and uh, I know I love God and I know this and I know that. But I know you hadn't obeyed the gospel. If you hadn't repented and been baptized in Jesus' name. And receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, evidence by speaking in tongues, you have not obeyed the gospel. Right, right. And therefore, you are disobeying God. Yes, yes you are. Yes. Amen. There's just no, no process around it, even though there's a lot of them that are, that are saying that, even in what is supposed to be 
oneness Pentecostalism today. Because all that altar business time is just too long, too tough, and too harsh on people. And so what we do is just get folks to just, you know, just uh, lift your hands and, and just say, you know, you need God and that's about all there is to it. And then we can thumb up on you that you have got it. No, no, no. I'm telling you, those that really repented at an altar know how thankful they are for what happened to you when you got the Holy Ghost. But if you felt like you was all right, just like you were almost already, you ain't got a whole lot to be thankful for. You are deceived. But when you get to the place that you realize what a what a terrible wretched I was, even what a low-down piece of nothing that I was, my life was a complete smear in the face of God. I don't care how good you think you are or how bad that you feel like you come from. I'm telling you that every sinner must see their self first as a sinner before they can feel this touch of God. Like I said, I appreciate every heartfelt direction toward God that somebody would make. But sometimes that they are fooled into believing that you went far enough when you didn't. Unless that you repent of your sin. Let me tell you something about repentance. Repentance is not having to rename everything you ever did. Right. If you did, Lord, you better get the Holy Ghost when you're two. That's right. And besides that, a whole lot of things that you did against God, either you don't remember or you don't think that you did. About that repentance is, it is a complete crying out to God to no longer be the person that you used to be. And that anything that was displeasing to God and everything that you had done wrong, whatever in that category it might be, name it all that you can name it, that's good, but there'll be a place where you just can't name everything that was there. But God knows when you get to the place when you are thoroughly, thoroughly calling on Him, even for a change in life. By the way, that's what repentance is. It's a military term. Amen. It means about face. It means to turn walk from that way, turn around and walk a complete opposite direction. That is what repentance is. And until you come out of that world, until you leave that world, until that you quit messing with the things that are in this world, I'm telling you, you hadn't repented. But when you repent, you're going to say, God, whatever I need to do, let's do it. Let them tell me what needs to be done, and I'm ready to do it. Using me, like I said, even after I got the Holy Ghost and sitting on that front pew. Lord, there was nights when I thought it was just me and the preacher. And he brought everybody else just to to watch. Because regardless of whether that you want to acknowledge this or not, everything about your life 
when you get the Holy Ghost, there's not all copacetic at the beginning. In other words, everything's not all right, all right. You've made a desire to come out of sin. I remember back in those days, I'll show you how long ago it was. It was the, the uh, long sideburns down here and ducktail. Anybody know what a ducktail is? And a turned up collar in the back. And a shirt unbuttoned down to here and all five hairs showing. <laughs> and white buck shoes. You was in it. So, right after I got the Holy Ghost, the collar went down. I just didn't feel right about that. Shirt buttoned up, still didn't feel right about that. But those sideburns, I didn't even think nothing about them. But it's kind of like they did me in the army. When I got in that barber's chair, I was drafted into the army and that barber walked up and said, uh, you want them sideburns? You want to keep those sideburns? I said, yeah, I believe I do. He said, well, catch. <laughs> brother, back then they, they really gave you a haircut. Of course, they sized your hat before you got the haircut. With your hair. So when you got it cut, it came down to here and your ears down like that. But that's about the way it was in that church service that night. That preacher was preaching about, about how to really manifest yourself as a child of God. I think he's a brother to that barber. Because when he got down to me, it was almost the same thing. You want them sideburns? Catch. But you know what? That night, as soon as I could get home, lather, razor, and off they came. And they ain't been back since. And that's been a long, long time ago. You say, is that all it was about that you needed to be shaped? No, I'm just telling you, that was just when I, an instance of some of the things that I didn't know. A lot of the things that I didn't have any idea of what the situations were. But oh, thank God for a preacher that kept on keeping on. That kept on preaching. That kept on teaching. That kept on showing me what was right and what was not right. Uh, even he was more interested in somebody hearing, well done, thou good and faithful servant, than just receiving somebody's offering. Praise the Lord. Thank God for men that kept on preaching and kept on teaching. Amen. Because on those pews are individuals that are headed for eternity. And every one of them deserves a chance to hear it right and to hear the gospel. Amen. That's what church is all about. Praise the Lord. The... Jawbone. Samson throws it away. And then he has to have a revival of that too. As he is brought back to it to show that there was more to the two than what he thought there was. Yeah. Right. 
praying is still apostolic. Worship is still apostolic. Preaching, sure enough, is still apostolic. And all these ingredients put together and the power to witness to individuals that don't know God are part of the tools that need a constant reviving in the church. You know, it's strange that there are things in our life that we don't have to take another course in, like eating. Once that you ever learned how to maneuver your own spoon, you've been doing it ever since. Don't have to have another course on go to sleep. It just takes place, doesn't it? You expect them to take place. And you know there was something seriously wrong if they weren't taking place. But in this thing called spiritual realm, we have to go back and be refreshed over and over and over again about spiritual principles and spiritual precepts. We have to go back and again see that our prayer has not turned into just mumbling words. And it has not turned into just an exercise in weariness. But we can return back to the foot of the cross and one more time pray like we need to pray. That sometimes in Pentecost, the only time that some people really get earnest with God is when life gets earnest with them. But I'm telling you, if you can pray consistently, if you can pray when it comes time for church, be there to pray. Amen. Be there to find a place to pray. And there, pray. Get your mind on God. Get your heart on God. And pray. That's the tool that still works. You hear me? And then the same thing about worship. When it comes to worship, don't let yourself just go through the motions. Don't learn that just doing a hand clap is all there is to it. Because the hand clapping out the heart is not worship at all. But when you put your heart into it uh, and put your soul into it uh, in your hand clap uh, and your voice uh, and your very body begins to manifest the glory of God. That that is what old time Holy Ghost one God church still is all about. Believe it or not. Yes, there's a lot of men with different styles and different uh, takes and different facets of how they preach and teach, but it takes it all. But when it's all said and done, if there's not a operation of the tools, if people come to church and the preacher's preaching on prayer and they're saying, what is that? Worship, and I don't quite see it, I don't quite get it. Like me studying some of those pictures that I didn't know the process of. I didn't have a clue because I didn't know what it was supposed to do. But when you know the process, you will always recognize the tool. Let's stand, would you please? Like I said, this I just jotted this down from, as you can probably tell, just on the way down here today. Matter of fact, after I got here, but 
But I've been around long enough to, I don't cut notches in my sermon pistol anymore. If I can't feel like this is what I'm supposed to be doing, then I'm, I just don't feel like doing it. Praise the Lord. But in this building tonight, let me say this to anybody here that might believe otherwise. And that is that nothing is better for you than the real. The real. And even though that there are people that pick and choose, and they say, I'd rather have this and rather have that and have it this way. Like the man that came that was a leper and said, hey, there's better rivers in my country of Syria than that old muddy Jordan. But the prophet had said, go dip in it seven times. You shall be clean. But he went away mad. He went away upset because he didn't like the method. Thank God for an individual that somewhere was around him and said, Sir, can I ask you a question? If the prophet had asked you to do some great thing, you would have done it. He said, Yeah, that's right. If it would have been really complicated, I would have done it. He said, But he asked you just simply to go down to Jordan River and dip seven times. You're going home a leper. You're dying while you're living. You're rotting away. Why? Not just do it. You know, it's a strange thing. You can read people, Acts 2.38, show them it right there in the Bible. Repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And they say, yeah, but. And they won't jump over there in Romans, which Romans is written to people that have already obeyed Acts 2.38. Roman road is not the way of salvation because Acts 2.38, you don't springboard over Acts to get into Romans. Romans is written to Roman church folk. But repent and be baptized, every one of you. It's me and you. In the name of Jesus Christ, for remission of sins, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Why? Not just do it. That's the two. It's the only New Testament verse that tells you where remission of sins comes from in New Testament. The only one. For the remission of sins. Isn't that what you want to get relieved of and taken away from? Sin. There's your remedy. That's the only two that will work. And so if you're in this building tonight and you think that somehow that it's just a little bit too harsh, let me tell you, truth is your best friend. It really is. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Praise the Lord. Let's pray right now as they sing and the elder comes.